And we are live with Living the Guide Life podcast today. And Minnesota is very cold right now, and a lot of snow is coming down. So not what we are hoping for. I'm hoping for some nicer weather, um, get some dog training done, and eventually start to chase turkeys around here. And I'll probably go do some snow goose stuff here, but... Other than that, I mean, there's a little shed hunting to do. I know some guys are out there right now. Some have been dropping antlers. But honestly, I'm talking to guys that still are saying that their herds have at least like 50 to 65% of their antlers on. So not a huge time for antler drops yet, but it'll come. So if you're a shed guy, be on the lookout. They're coming. They're coming in hot. Once the snow melts, it'll be a lot easier for us to find them. But right now, it's just, I don't know, not really worth to go walk around in seven fresh inches of snow. But, you know, it is what it is. So, but today we are brought to you by Chasing Fowl Outfitters. Make sure to go check us out. Um, we will be at Game Fair this year. We will be at the Midwestern Wild Sheep Show. Um and go check out some of our new merch. Uh, we are going to start doing a 10% off all white hoodies for snow goose hunters. So make sure to go check that out here. Probably in the next week, I will change that up. So you heard that here first. And we're also brought to you by Bourbon Media, and I'll give them a second. If you're a small business owner in the outdoor industry, we get it. The words digital marketing can be intimidating. You're a grunt work, sweat it out, bust your chops kind of person who's addicted to progress and put all of your time and energy into operating your business. We at Bourbon Media can help you push it even further. We're digital marketing experts. I'm talking web development, content creation, social media management, SEO, paid advertising, the whole nine yards. And as fellow outdoorsmen, we know the industry. Keep your business up to date and expand your reach with digital marketing that is directed at your core market. We are Bourbon Media. Cheers to progression. And that wraps things up for Bourbon Media. If you haven't went to check their stuff out yet, I highly recommend it. Their subscription websites are truly a game changer. Um, if you're a smaller outfitter and you're looking to build your brand and make a place really a really quality spot for people to go look at your information, those subscription websites are going to be it. We are also brought to you by Pacific Calls. And we are going to be doing a special giveaway with Pacific Calls um, probably within the next two weeks. So... I would just keep an eye out for that and it's going to be really cool, man. It's going to be for the first, um, once we hit 50 reviews, uh, on Apple, then we are giving away a duck call and a goose call and maybe some more stuff. So make sure to be tuning in when that happens and it'll be a lot of fun. Um, also we are brought to you by, mallard bay now if you haven't checked out their space yet i highly recommend that you do because if you're looking for a guided hunt guided fishing trip whatever it is they are the spot to be at um they have everything that you need you can go on there check out whitetail hunts 
turkey hunts, fishing trips, duck hunts. I mean, there is everything on there, any state, any price, you name it. So make sure to go check those guys out. We are also on there um, for Minnesota. So if you're looking to book a hunt, you can also book it through them. Um, just another great spot to uh, be at. So go check that out. And today we have Hunter on from Falco. He is one of the guides down there and he's out in Arkansas killing snow geese right now. So he's having a blast of a season. He was telling me he's been doing a lot of awesome camera work, a lot of awesome filming photography, all the above. And, uh, we have a really awesome conversation, so I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. And uh, he kind of talks about what it's like to be a guide down there. Also, a lot of stuff with camera work. We talk about a ton of stuff. I mean, whether it's DSLR or mirrorless cameras, or we're talking about how he edits photos on Lightroom. I mean, there's just so many different aspects to being a photographer that you can listen in on, or just being a guide in general and talking and listening about you know, just the leadership and the team they have down at Falco um, is truly incredible. So I hope you guys really enjoy this one because I know I did. All righty. And we are live with living the guide life podcast today. And we have Hunter Riley on who is a guide down at Falco and a media creator and uh, got a pretty badass mustache. How are you doing? <laughs> pretty good. How are you doing today? Doing well, dude. How's, uh, how's the weather been down in Arkansas? Uh, you know, uh, I'd say hell, over, over the first half of the month, uh, it's been really dry, which yeah. I mean, you know, I, I can't ask for more than that being in Arkansas. Normally it's just a muddy mess, but, uh, you know, we've been getting rain here today, yesterday, and we got a little bit of rain a couple of days ago. So, you know, it's starting to be normal Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, I hear you on that. How much longer are you down there? Um, guiding? Uh, man, honestly, I'm only here until the 28th. So just about a week left and uh, we'll be wrapping it up here. Yeah. And I'll be headed back to Oklahoma. Fair enough, dude. Is that where you're from then? Yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah, I live just right there. I live right there by Oklahoma City. So just right in the middle. Oh, fair enough. And when did you yeah. run down to Arkansas? Uh, so we leave uh, the main Falco Lodge the last day of duck season. And uh, so we'll finish that last day. And then we have everything packed that night. And then we head over this way uh, that following day. So we actually get here opening day of snow goose season. Okay. And uh, we, we don't start running clients until after their youth day. So we uh, start on the 7th. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you get 20 days or so that you get. Yeah, huh? yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I with the weather, how good it's been this year so far. Uh, I mean, it's it's been great. And then, you know, all the cold weather up north has kept a lot of geese down here, you know, longer, you know, than yeah. normal. So it's uh, it's it's been really good. We've uh, we've been killing a lot of geese. Uh, you know, we've had our bad days and good good days. But overall, it's been really solid. Yeah, because how many years have you been running down there? So for Falco, uh, this will be, I think, our third year of snows, I want to say. Okay. Uh, I've, I've done snows in Arkansas for a few years before that. And then I've done snows, you know, up in the old non-city game up in northwest Missouri a couple of years yeah. as well. 
Uh, I haven't done that in quite a while, but uh, I've been doing the Falco snows for three years now here. So, okay. I heard some guys are running up to Mound City right now. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I well, just recently talked to one of my buddies up there, and he said they've got their first, you know, okay amount of geese here late this next week. But I mean, I know they're still cold. I know there's quite a bit of sm- snow, you know, down in mid Missouri. So I don't know how that's, yeah. you know, really, you know, taking a toll on snow geese. You know, migrating past that, or if they're, you know, holding up on that or what. But yeah, you know, there's always going to be snow geese up there at some point. Which I mean, there's some now, but I'm sure it's all adults at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I right now we're packed full of juvies what yeah. we're hunting. So <laughs> you know, little young birds getting all goofy. Yeah, that's not bad at all, man. Because how have the juvie numbers been down there? Do what? How have the juvie numbers been down there? I mean, that it's been solid. I mean, really, uh, I mean, obviously, all of our good hunts, I mean, I would say 95% of the birds were killing our juvies. Uh, we've had a couple, we've had a couple 50, 60 bird days where, uh, you know, like half been juvies, half been adults. But overall, I would say, I mean, there's a lot of juvies this year, yeah. uh, especially compared, I'd say, to last year and the year before. Because uh, I know last year, some of our best days were honestly all adults, you know, especially yeah. when we got that huge, you know, that big Arctic front that came down with all the snow in Arkansas and all that. It yeah. really messed some stuff up around here. And uh, I mean, I would say for the most part, that whole time during that whole cold weather event, uh, we were killing adults down here last year. So. Yeah. I'll take the juvies all day long. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hear you on that. Yeah, because that that cold front last year I saw, I mean, from everyone that I talked to, it felt like it just messed with their heads. I mean, the birds just got goofy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it honestly, I saw some stuff last year that I've never seen in my life before. I mean, the, the little blackbirds were eating the other blackbirds' heads off. I mean, the, everything was like in survival mode. I mean, I'm not joking. We'd go and set up a uh, hunt in a field and we would find dead diver ducks laying around. I mean, yeah. it, it was, it, it was crazy. Well, you know, cause all the water locked up, there was no place for them to go. And even, you know, they couldn't really even go South cause even, you know, North Louisiana was locked up. They had snow, you know, super yeah. cold temps. So the whole area, it's not like that, you know, they could just migrate South. I mean, they would literally had to gone to the Gulf of Mexico to, you know, get away from it. Okay. So it's almost like the, it's almost like the birds just went in straight up, you know, survival mode. I mean, you'd get to a field and set up and they'd already be there. Just, yeah. just sitting there. <laughs> I mean, they, they had nowhere to go. So it was, it was goofy. That's for sure. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, have you ever witnessed anything like that in Arkansas before with the snow? <laughs> not, not, no, no, I haven't. I mean, honestly, I haven't even, witness any you know the animals doing what they did even in oklahoma I mean, we get you know super cold yeah. you know at times and i've never seen you know just all the wildlife act like that before it was it was something i'll tell yeah. you what it was it was definitely off the wall yeah yeah that's that's pretty cool just to see like how they react to all that oh absolutely absolutely like just a total game changer what they're usually used to yep yeah, it threw him for a loop, that's for sure. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, once everything caught out last year and, uh, you know, we got a couple warm, warm days, they were hauling north yeah. as fast as they could. Oh, I they Just, you know, it, it's like almost they got held up down here for so long and they were like, we got to get back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so they just absolutely cranked it north and they were, they were out here pretty quick. Yeah. 
Oh, I believe it. Yeah. So once you're done guiding snow geese, is there any plans to keep hunting or are you kind of done for the year? Uh, I mean, done for a couple weeks. Uh, yeah. Me and one of my best buddies will head to South Texas and kick off turkey season and then uh, hit a few states through turkey season. And then I'll uh, guide what turkey hunts I have to guide here in Oklahoma as well. Okay. That's pretty cool. Though. Still got a bunch Do of what? hunting left. Still got a bunch of hunting left. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We, uh, we'll hit South Texas, North Texas, obviously Oklahoma. We'll hit Kansas, Colorado. Nebraska, South Dakota, Montana, and I'm pretty sure we're going to try to throw in Maine this year as well. Oh wow! So it should be it should be a pretty good haul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got them all locked down then. Yeah, yeah, should be. I mean, it should be a great time. We uh we had a few states last year, and uh, we had a really good time. You know, just traveling and you know chasing turkeys. Because honestly, yeah. like on top of anything, that's my absolute top-notch thing to do is turkey hunt yeah how is the turkey hunting in oklahoma it's good you know it there's certain parts that are better you know in the yeah. state than others uh you know if you hunt the eastern half you're hunting easterns you hunt you know the majority of the state central west you know even a little bit more eastern than central northern southern oklahoma you know you get rios and then uh, there's a little small sliver in the panhandle where you can go kill Merriams, but it's all private land up there so you got to Got to find someone you know to hunt those up there. Yeah, that's pretty cool though, that you can hunt all three in Oklahoma. Right, absolutely. It is really neat. I, uh, I think you know a lot of people don't realize it, but Oklahoma it's a, it's a pretty diverse state. You know, just uh, from even you know how the land is. I mean, you have mountains, you have hardwood mm-hmm. forests, you have scrub brush areas. You know, you have high plains areas. You have like that badlands type of you know yeah. terrain i mean you just it's it's so crazy from you know one side of the state to the other of all yeah. the environments you can go through yeah and what's the limit out there for turkeys uh this year it's one so uh last oh, wow. year it was two but you could only get one uh like one in each county so you'd have to jump counties to get your second bird uh and then before that uh there was no like restrictions on counties and whatnot. They're just kind of implementing that with, you know, Turkey numbers and everything right now. So. Fair enough. That kind of sucks then to drop down to one. Yeah, it's, it definitely does. But I mean, in the, you know, the long run factor, I think, you know, the whole population as a whole, I think it'll be good for it. Yeah. And they also they uh, changed season dates this year too. Uh, instead of being from the sixth uh, of April to the sixth of May, they pushed to uh, April sixteenth to May sixteenth. Okay. So you guys are like right on our turkey season yeah. too. Because that's like yeah, our that one's... Okay. Alrighty. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we started like yeah, like the sixteenth, and then run it till but i think ours runs till the end of may no yeah second week of may yeah yeah because we got some pretty spot on with ours really yeah and i mean if you hunt first season most of the time it's like 15 degrees out though right right because like i mean our our seasons are like you can only hunt a week so you have seven days to kill your turkey mm-hmm and then if you don't kill your turkey in your season, like your first season, 
then the last week everybody can hunt. Okay. So you technically get two, but you try to kill right. your turkey the first. But we usually go like we usually go B season because usually then it's warmer. Because I mean, even our B season this this past year, our opening morning was like seventeen degrees. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty chilly for turkey season. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. It was it was brutal. But then like after that morning, then it jumped up, and then the next morning it was like forty five. Right, right. So it was pretty chill, yeah. but other than that, yeah, it gets pretty cold. We had we've had quite a few days of hunting turkeys in the snow. That's for sure. Yeah, that that's something that I wouldn't mind doing sometime. I think that'd be neat. That's one thing I've never done is hunting turkeys in the snow. So yeah, we'll see if I can't hit that on the bucket list this year going up north. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that you could probably hit it in South Dakota. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So nice. we'll just we'll just see have to see how the weather works out, you know, for when we're gonna yeah. be up there and uh see if we're gonna be hunting snow or not. <laughs> yeah. Cause are you guys going to the Black Hills then? Yeah, so uh, yeah, when we're in South Dakota, we're gonna do the whole public land run and uh yeah. and stuff down on that, which uh I uh, some of the crew from Falco went up there last year uh and they, they did really well. They all tagged out, so yeah, uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna stop by why they're up there because they're gonna go back up there this year and we're gonna okay. just be going through there going up to Montana. So yeah, gonna swing in and try to get one smacked. Heck yeah, yeah, dude. I feel like the Black Hills has definitely jumped up in popularity in the past like two years. Yeah, I, like, honestly, honestly, I think all turkey hunting has yeah. really jumped up in popularity. You know, just yeah. overall. Yeah, I mean, because even, you know, some public land in Oklahoma that, you know, was known for good turkey hunting, but, you know, you can still go hunt it and not just be, you know, yeah. insane pressure. But now it's, it's insane. <laughs> I yeah. mean, really, there's, there's so many people hunting it, but I mean, there's still plenty of turkeys to be killed, even with the low numbers, you know, you're okay. doing it right. You're going to end up tagging out. So, yeah. Because I mean, Minnesota, Minnesota's not super huge on turkey hunting but i mean there's still a lot of people that do it but it's not like a main right. thing for people here right I, in my opinion like what i've seen it's not like a not like a huge thing to go turkey hunt i mean you just kind of do it if you have nothing better to do like that <laughs> yeah. was that was kind of everybody's that i've talked to perspective but we go like every year and have like a camp that we go hunt down in southeast right. minnesota and like go chase them in like the river valleys and stuff. And that's badass. Yeah. That sounds like an awesome time. Yeah. It, it's really cool. But like, also you're, it's a lot of work climbing up those hills and stuff like that. Cause I mean, Oh yeah. Everything's yeah. like, that's... everything's just like straight up like that. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It'll get you. I mean, it's, it's even, you know, just wild going from here to Colorado because we hunt. Oh, I'd say, within about an hour from Trinidad, just kind of on that front facing area of the mountains. And I mean, uh, my buddy that I go around with, uh, I mean, hell, he killed his turkey at almost 10,000 feet last year. So oh, it, uh, it was, up, it was, it was a haul. I'll tell you what. Yeah. That <laughs> is we made it happen. Yeah. It was, it was right on the snow line where the snow was at the time. Yeah. So, it, I mean, the snow was only, I'd probably say, you know, a couple hundred feet above us. Oh, wow. So it was, it was pretty nuts. 
Yeah. It was awesome though. Super awesome scenery over there. I mean, that's for sure. Plus yeah. you see, you know, elk and uh, honestly, we even had a mountain lion, uh, pretty close to our decoys one morning, uh, oh, came up, uh, it was probably, I'd say 150 yards out and it just kind of skirted us and went on, but I was like, Oh man, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not normally sending turkey hunting in a damn, you know, mountain lion come walking by. Uh, that's not pretty neat. Yeah, that's something that would definitely raise your hairs like that. Oh, yeah. That would sketch me out. Absolutely. It always makes you look over your shoulder, you know, when you're stalking some turkeys or something. You're like, is there a mountain lion coming? Oh, exactly. (laughs) And those things are just so quiet and like all of a sudden they're just right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I would have never known it was there unless it stepped out on the clearing. It did. So, you know, I mean, they're super (laughs) stealthy. Yeah, that's definitely something you got to watch out for in like the Western states. Oh, Dude. yeah, absolutely. I was even, I even saw like reading a post today, and it was like some dude was taking pictures of jaguars in like Arizona. Oh, yeah. Did you yeah, see that? I actually, yeah, I did see that. It was the, uh, wasn't he running dogs and he called the yeah. dogs off it? Cause, yeah, yep. I did see that. I absolutely did. I thought that was, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. I actually, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Are they wild in some sense? Because I, think, I, I actually thought, I saw a post from the early nineties of some uh, rancher guy that had photos of them, you know, back then. Yeah. Uh, I think they are wild. I think they come up from Mexico. Okay. That makes I sense. Think, I think they're down like in Mexico and then, like down south and then a couple of them will like make their trek i mean even i mean it's just like anything else like mountain lions like we'll see mount like we'll get pictures of mountain lions up where we're at in minnesota right like where we turkey hunt even like in southeast minnesota right on the border of wisconsin um a couple of landowners that we've hunted on they've like seen mountain lions walking right there and it's like right well you know it, it's kind of the same way with you know the pan of oklahoma out yeah. in the very zip you know you'll have you know a mountain line or two around you know the farmers will see it or something like that yeah. and they just you know come out of the mountain range you know kind yeah. of you know kind of migrating in a sense along the rivers so yeah probably the same concept with those as well yeah because i know i know one had like a tracking collar on it and it came from like I want to say Colorado or Wyoming, and it came all the way up to Wisconsin. Wow. That's and, that's a haul. Yeah. And they tracked it like they tracked the entire path from Colorado to all the way to Wisconsin. That's insane. So, I mean, they can really just they're they're just like any animal. I mean, we'll right. like we'll have moose that'll come all the way down from Canada. And we'll see yeah, that's a- <laughs> like moose in our area, which is like unheard of but it happens <laughs> yeah yeah I, if i was walking around saw a moose i'd be like wait yeah. a minute <laughs> like you're kind of off the course yeah like our one of my good buddies that lives like 30 minutes north of us um his dad was out on their property and saw moose and then called the dnr about it because he was like this isn't supposed to be here but right it's out here <laughs> that's so, wild i mean it's just like anything else. I mean, just just like the pintail that was in Washington that came from Japan. Yep. 
same there's, kind of thing. Yeah, there's great crazy flight paths or migration yeah. paths that nobody really thinks about. Oh yeah. I mean it's as simple as, you know, in Oklahoma, every once in a while you'll have, you know, a surf scoter, a brant that'll come with some lessers or you know, uh, there were a couple guys down south this year that killed two Drake Longtail, you know, old squaws. Like, <laughs> you know, how in the world did you guys even get down here? Like, yeah, something throw you off, just follow a pack of divers down here or what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, it's, it's crazy. Like, just to think of, I mean, I just wonder, like, what goes through their head on just, like, the path that they take. That's just, like, oh. so off the beaten path that is everyone's so used to, but exactly exactly who knows i mean that's that's something that i always think is really interesting you know just about banding birds and you know the tracking they have on them and even just other animals it's like yeah the things they do it's like why in the world did you guys even you know go in this direction or go here go there like what what even made you do that you know yeah oh exactly that that's just the cool thing but i saw like didn't you guys shoot a black duck down in Oklahoma too? Isn't that kind of rare? Yeah, your guys' area. Yeah, that's that's a that's definitely a super super rare deal in Oklahoma. And, and not only did we kill a black duck, but some of my buddies uh, up more towards northwestern Oklahoma, towards the Salt Plains area, they actually killed one two days after we did. Oh wow! Which was oh yeah, I mean those personally, that's the only black duck I've ever seen in person. The one we shot. And uh, then they shot one and I was like, what in the world is going on? (laughs) And, you know, it's, you know, and not only was it a black duck, but it was like a absolutely top notch, perfect black duck. Like, I mean, it was just some next level. I was like, this is awesome. (laughs) Dude, that's so killer. That is so killer. Yeah. Cause we've only killed, I've only seen one black duck die here. And we didn't even realize it was a black duck until like, the sun really came up because we were just shooting into flocks of mallards early, early. Right. And I was like looking at it. I'm like, this one is so much darker than the other ones. <laughs> like, yep. what? The fuck? And then yeah. realized it was a black. Duck. I'm like, oh shit, we shot a black. Duck. Yeah, we. Yeah, it didn't even get realized that uh, this one was shot until after it got back, brought back to the blind because it was still, you know, right at shooting light. You know, yeah. it wasn't very bright outside, so you couldn't even, you know, tell exactly, you know that it was a black duck until oh, it came yeah. back and definitely was. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's, that's so cool. Are you guys uh, getting that mounted? Yes, absolutely yeah. are. I was gonna say. It'll, uh, it'll be, it'll be put up in the lodge once it gets done. Yeah. What's the, what's the coolest bird that you guys have shot down there in your opinion? Uh, I would definitely probably have to say that wood duck mallard yeah. from last year was, definitely a really neat duck uh i just thought it was really neat how you know what color traits it took and yeah. then it still had you know the the wood duck mohawk on it but yeah. then just a straight up green mallard head which i thought was really neat yeah uh you know last year i, I don't know what it was it was like the year of the hybrids because we shot that one yeah uh, we shot a wood duck i mean sorry mallard widgeon then we shot you know your classic mallard pintail as yeah. well and uh, honestly all of that was in about a two week span so it was like back to back almost. I was like, goodness. <laughs> and dude, that that wood duck mallard is like so perfect too. The colors were just Oh I know. I mean, it was it, it was cool to see, you know, how what color traits and what feathers it took, you know, on certain parts of the bird. And uh 
honestly, I wish I could have heard what it sounded like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if it sounded like a wood duck or if it sounded like a mallard or what in the world, it, you know, even what noise it made. That's a good point. Cause I've never really thought about it like that. Of like, yeah, what? I mean, you know, it's, it's the same with like a pintail mallard. Like, yeah. You know, does it do the pintail whistle? Does it quack? Does it, I mean, you know, what in the world does it even do? Yeah, dude, I've never, I've never thought about it like that. That's, that's a really cool different view because that is interesting. Like what, what would the sound be like? Is that, is that wood duck? Is it whistling? Is it quacking? Like what's the whole scenario? Exactly. I mean, I guess the only way you'd really find out is like, you know, at a place somebody's, you know, breeding hybrids, you know, then you yeah. can figure out, you know, what they're making but i mean a wild bird you know unless you hear it and you're like what in the hell is that sound and then it comes in but other than that you know you're not really gonna know yeah you have no idea <laughs> yeah dude i like that point of view that's pretty sweet but dude i want to hear more about how you got into guiding and your camera work and all that kind of stuff well i mean uh, the way i got into guiding was uh, i was i mean i've grown up hunting my whole family as my mom dad grandma grandpa so i mean i've been you know involved in the outdoors since i was a little kid and yeah. uh it, i was probably oh i don't know 14 or 15 and i was like man i want to do something you know whenever i get old enough to drive and all that and i was like you know i think i'm gonna guide some duck hunts and so when i turned 16 i got my license i was like you know what I'm going to try guiding. So I started, you know, did my own thing for a few years and ran some hunts, you know, it wasn't anything special back then. You know, I was just 16, 17. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, we were killing birds. And, yeah. uh, so then I got hired on by another outfitter out here and I was like, heck yeah, you know, that's awesome. So I started guiding full time then and, uh, got it all, you know, Northwest Oklahoma, Western Oklahoma, Southwest Oklahoma, and then from then on, you know, it just basically built from there and, you know, just making connections and, you know, having a good relationship with clients and all that. And, uh, I ended up getting hired on, you know, at Falco, I actually used to guide to the owners of Falco back in the day. Yeah. And, uh, that's how I ended up knowing them and, yeah. uh, got hired on before the, before the lodge was even built the year prior to that. And I've just been on board with that ever since that went on. Fair enough. So Sounds like a on, good gig. Yeah. So since, uh, I mean, since technically I started guiding when I was 16, I mean, this would be year 11. I just turned 28 here a few days ago. So this next awesome. season will be, it will be year 12. <laughs> Exciting. Oh yeah. Exciting. Been in the game quite a while. It's, uh, it's definitely been a grind. There were, you know, a few times early on when, you know, you're just barely making a buy. Yeah. And, uh, and then finally, you know, you make it, to you know where you need to be and it's like awesome yeah oh i hear you and uh the whole uh the whole camera stuff you know it was uh i was probably i'd say 18 19 and uh you know that's that's when you know you really start seeing a huge influx of you know really good quality photos and stuff you yeah. know on instagram and facebook of you know the hunting industry yeah and i was like you know that's really cool and i I'd always been into like, you know, making, you know, really nice pictures with just my phone and stuff. And one of my buddies, he had a, he had a little camera and, uh, he was going to buy a new one. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll buy that from you, you know, cause I, 
I think that's really neat. You know, I'd yeah. really like to get into that. So picked up that camera and it was just a old Canon T5 Rebel, you know, just, yeah. you know, as basic as it gets and uh, came with the two stock lenses. And yeah, I was like, all right. So, you know, I started shooting that and then slowly from there, you know, I just kept upgrading and, you know, getting, you know, a lot hard, more hardcore into it. And, uh, now, I mean, that's, that's how I make my living in the off season is just doing, you know, camera work. And yeah. uh, so it, it evolved into something, you know, that really went, you know, really well with, you know, guiding and everything like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Dude. Cause you got some awesome camera work. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, you know, it's, I, I have a few people tell me that every once in a while, but I, you know, I, I see a lot of people out there and I'm like, man, I wish my stuff would look like that. Or, you know, Oh, I wish I'd be that good. But I just, you know, try to, I try to focus on, you know, a unique setting and just, you know, roll with my style and try to put it out there as best as I can. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like, yeah. Cause you just have, I mean, everybody has their own style and I mean, right. no pictures are the same. And so I just, yeah, I'm a really big fan of, like how you take your photos and stuff like that. Cause well, I appreciate it. That's for yeah. sure. I, uh, I, I, pro- I got, so I got too much money and do it for, <laughs> you know, for me right now. And I'm sure I'll put even more money into it. Just you know, honestly, even if I didn't make a dime off of it, I'd still be doing it just because I mean, honestly, I, it's one of my big passions that I just put a lot of time into that I really enjoy doing. So even if I wouldn't, you know, make anything off of it, I'd still be doing it at the level that, you know, I am now. Yeah. Cause what camera, like what camera gear are you using now? So I, I shoot now. I, uh, oh, it would have been about, let's say three or four years ago. Now, four years ago, I switched over to Sony, all the mirrorless stuff. And, uh, right now I shoot a seven R four. And then for my film camera, I just shoot a seven three. So I think, uh, this year I'm going to upgrade, uh, I'm probably going to buy another body. I'm not sure exactly yet exactly what body I'm going to get, but uh, probably going to get a few new little trinkets to go along with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you like the mirrorless compared to like DSLR? You know, it was, it was a totally different ball game whenever I got it because, you know, I came, I came, I was shooting uh Canon, you know, all yeah. the way until I changed and uh, I was sitting there and, you know, I, I knew a lot of people that had Sony that was shooting Sony. And I was like, you know, that's, that's a really cool, you know, system that they have going on there, you know, just mirrorless in general, any brand, you know, I, I I really like, you know, how they were doing things. And I was like, you know, I think I'm going to make that switch. And so I sold all my camera gear, you know, for DSLR, all my bodies, all that, and just straight up switched over to mirrorless. And, uh, you know, it was a, I mean, it was basically you had to relearn the whole camera, everything, yeah. because they, I mean, it's it's a night and day difference with it, you know. Rather, you know, menu setup, you know, just how the button layout is. I mean, it was just totally different. But uh, what I like about a mirrorless uh, for still pictures in general is that you know you can pull, I mean, a hellaciously bigger megapixel, you know, out of a mirrorless cam- camera than you can a DSLR. Which I mean for for social media stuff that really doesn't matter because you know it's gonna put it to a you know a worse format a worse quality you know once you post it but uh you know for doing any type of you know just your generic photo shoots you know some wedding stuff or 
you know, product or anything that's going into magazine or ad or, you know, a, a frame or anything. I think those megapixels, you know, that you can pull out of a mirrorless is important just because, I mean, even if you want to blow it up, you know, to a huge size, it's not going to get grainy. It's not going to be blurry. You know, it's yeah. going to keep that quality. I mean, because in all reality, you can go get a mirrorless that, you know, is upwards of 40 megapixels for the same price you can a DSLR that's, you know, 20 to 30 megapixels. So, yeah. you know, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like you can pull a better quality image for that aspect of things, not necessarily, you know, social media stuff, just because it does, you know, kind of dumb it down yeah. the quality of things. But uh, I, I really like them. I don't have, you know, any trouble with them at all. Uh, I started my first mirrorless camera. I got just the original Sony a seven R and I ran that for a year and, you know, I liked it. Obviously it's not the fastest camera. It wasn't the best camera out there at the time. And then, you know, once I figured out that I really liked the mirrorless, you know, that's when I dove full on into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, yeah, I feel like mirrorless just is kind of a better camera in general. Cause I mean, I have a DSLR. And I had, I had a mirrorless for a little bit and I sold it because I just wasn't doing as much film work with it. Right. But I mean, I really liked that camera a lot. I don't know why I sold it, but I mean, it is what it is. I might have to pick up a yeah. new one, but I mean, I mean, DSLR is fine, but I totally understand where you're coming from on like the megapixel side is it definitely does have such a better quality when you blow it up. Right. Right. Well, but you know, it, it's just crazy how different they are because, you know, a DS, I mean, a mirrorless camera, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's basically just like a fancied up digital camera. You know, yeah. it's not like a, how a DSLR is designed, you know, it's, yeah. it's just totally different how it works. So, I mean, I almost, I actually almost fried one of my cameras uh, this last summer. I was doing a, a concert event in Arkansas and yeah. one of the, uh, one of the like light show lasers went, I mean, absolutely beeline right in my lens just smoked my sensor and dude it, it it like freaked out for a minute there like was glitching out and i was like what in the world is going on and then it just stopped and i was like okay is everything fine and i, I haven't had any issues since then but i was like oh my goodness did i just fry my camera <laughs> oh, yeah that so, definitely so a little word out. little yeah little word of wise you know out there for anybody that's gonna shoot any concert watch out for some lasers yeah okay <laughs> they'll they'll get you yeah and wouldn't that suck you know shooting a shooting a shoot somewhere and a laser just smoke your sensor and then what are you gonna do yeah you're stuck <laughs> you know you're stuck. exactly because yeah so that's that's what that's what that's one reason i always have a couple bodies on me just in case you know one fails you're gonna have a backup if yeah. needed yeah yeah i mean that's something you don't think about either like you would never, like I, I would never put that through my mind. If like a laser, well, you would when it happens. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I, I definitely, you know, it wasn't in my mind at all until it happened. I was like, oh my gosh, like yeah. <laughs> I better watch that. Yeah, dude, I hear you on that. Oh, have you ever thought about like? Because I talk, I was talking to Nick um, from our Terra Media, and he was uh-huh. saying how he, like has a like a i'm pretty sure he was saying he has a sony body but then he uses canon lenses have you ever like played around yeah have you ever played around with that idea yeah so i well i did that 
initially when I uh, went over to Sony because I still had, you know, some camera lenses that I hadn't sold yet. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to see how the whole converter game works. Yeah. Uh, just because, you know, I had those lenses and I, I mean, lenses are expensive. I mean, oh, just yeah. straight up. So, yeah. you know, if I, you know, I was going to do it, you know, if I, if it worked fine for me, I was just going to roll like that because yeah. why not? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it works great. And I think, you know, certain, adapters for that work better than others uh i personally had some issues with like uh, some autofocus stuff uh doing that if you're doing all manual focus i don't think you'd have any problem at all because i mean it just depends on what i'm doing if i'm using autofocus or manual focus yeah uh but i ended up just going over to native lenses for sony because i mean in my personal opinion no matter what you shoot, whether it's Nikon, whether it's Canon, whether it's Sony, whatever it may be, I personally think native lenses, I mean, you're not going to beat them because, I mean, they're directly designed for that. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I I mean, it might be, you know, a super minute difference in, you know, running maybe a non-native lens or doing a converter or whatever you're doing. But just my personal opinion, like, if you're going to save up the money, to buy a lens for your camera, I would personally do native lenses just, yeah. just because, I mean, they're specifically made for that. And that's just yeah. my opinion, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm with you on that. Like if you're going to go out and buy a camera, definitely buy the native lens. But then like, if you start, I mean, having more funds to do different stuff and stuff like that, and you want to try right. it out. And, and, you know, and you know, it all goes back to, you know, I mean, do you have the funds to do that yeah. as well? Because I mean, like back then I didn't. And yeah. so, you know, I know a lot of guys that shoot, you know, whatever body and they're shooting, you know, Sigma lenses with them and stuff like yeah. that. And like the Sigma art series and stuff, honestly, I have a couple of them and, and I can't tell the difference in quality. Yeah, of yeah. What's yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's one of those things and I have buddies, you know, that some of their long lenses, like they make a, I don't I think it's like a. Like a 260. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, I mean, know a bunch of people that shoot that that have fantastic photos out of that yeah so i mean you know it's more of just kind of like a personal opinion thing on like what i'm gonna buy i'm just i'm just kind of a stickler on like keeping everything you know exactly like how it's made to be used but yeah that's just me yeah oh no i hear you on that 100 percent. but but then you know i say that but then on the other hand you know like i would absolutely kill to get my hands on like a really nice uh prime 300 canon lens because then i would use the converter with that i mean yeah. because there's the 300 primes that canon put out i mean they're they're pretty sweet yeah yeah because he was just talking about like his personal preference was because of like how the color like is different right. with the canon lenses right. compared to like the sony and he just likes that color contrast it, it, it absolutely is i mean that's even and that goes back even into your DSLR and mirrorless game. I mean, the color, Sony has their own color. You know, yeah. Canon has their own color that they just, you know, they just bring it out more. It's just yeah. what it is. And honestly, my particular style that I do, I get a better color out of that from Sony. Yeah. And that's just, that's just the style that I shoot in, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it, it, you know, it just goes back to all personal preference and all that type of stuff. Oh, exactly. And, just like if you're shooting a mirrorless or DSLR, it just kind of all changes. And I mean, yeah, it just is what it is. And I know guys that talk about like they like Sony 
mirrorless cameras a lot better than Canon because mm-hmm. Sony's been doing it for so long and they've kind of from what I've heard is they've been doing it for so long, so they've kind of really dialed it down. And that's right like, with the with the whole mirrorless yeah. everything. Right. Right. Like they've been doing it a well, longer I mean, than Canon has. Right. I mean, they have. I mean, that's for sure. I mean, I'm sure they, you know, have some things that are better than, you know, other brands. But I mean, I know some people that shoot the mirrorless uh, uh, cannons. And I mean, they're, I'm not gonna lie, they're pretty sweet, too. And I have not messed, I've not messed at all with anything Nikon wise. Like I, you could hand me a Nikon and it'd be like a damn you know, alien to me because I've yeah. never ever even touched a Nikon, so I wouldn't even have a clue anything yeah. Nikon wise. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just like just all how you grow up shooting, whatever, and. Then yeah, what you know, if I, you know, if that first camera I bought would have been a would have been a Nikon, I mean, hell, I might be shooting Nikon nowadays. You know, like yeah. it just it's kind of one of those things. You know, what you start with, you kind of know, and then yeah. you know you go from there, basically. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you on that, dude. I hear you on that. And I kind of, I mean, so are you doing a lot of, are you doing more like photography work or videography work in your opinion? Uh, What what do you like to do more? I I would say used to, it was, um, it was almost all solely photography. Uh, I would say in the last, I would say in the last, four years I've been getting, you know, really hard into the video work. Uh, I've done a lot of stuff video wise since I started. Yeah. Uh, now I would probably say it's pretty half on half, you know, what I do. Yeah. Uh, video and photo. Uh, it's hard to say which one I enjoy more. I mean, it's, it's one of those things, you know, like I'll take a photo and I'll be like, oh, that's going to be epic. And half the film stuff, you know, I'll do, I'll take film. I'll be like, oh, you know, I hope I got enough for this. And then after I take it off and look at it, I'm like, damn, you know, that's sweet. That's sweet. I wish I would have taken, you know, instead of taking a photo on this instance, I wish I would have been filming or, you know, vice versa. So that always, that always comes into play as well. Yeah. No, I hear you on that. And are you using a drone as well? Because I noticed some of your photos and videos. It looks like you're using some drone work. Yeah, yeah, I have a. So right now I run a the uh, Maverick Pro. I'm sorry, not the Maverick Pro, the Maverick Two Air. Uh, so the reason I run the Air Two is because for any stills that I take with it, it has a 48 megapixel camera on it, a 2.8 48 megapixel, which is, I mean, that that outdoes for stills the Pro by far. Because I believe if I'm not mistaken the pro is like a 24 megapixel uh still camera and you know and with the air i'm still taking you know the exact same quality of video it's all 4k you know i'm not really i mean in my opinion i don't think you're really losing anything by going with you know i mean the air is you know not as expensive as the pro but for what i use for it works better for me just because the still camera on is you know so much better than the pro yeah in my opinion but but they did just come out with a pro three and uh, a guy that we actually just had a hunt with just the other day he added out here and it was pretty sweet i will tell you that it it was uh i mean they totally redesigned the whole entire drone i mean everything about it and it is i'll tell you what it's it's pretty nasty yeah (laughs) how much does one of those things run usually 
the one I have, I believe when I bought it, it was right at like 14, 13 or 14. Uh, I know the pros are going to be, they're going to be probably about $400 more than that. I know, I know the brand new pro three that he had, he was saying it was like three grand or something. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty pricey, but I mean, so instead, instead of, so my drone, it flies, I think max speed is like right at 30 miles an hour. The new pro three will go upwards of almost 50 miles an hour, like 45 to 50. It's insane. Yeah. So it, if you need to get some, you know, fast moving, you know, B-roll shots or something like, I'll tell you what, yeah. that thing would cook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're really rolling with that thing. then. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I just, you know, it's, it's always tough, you know, to decipher, no, oh, when do I need to get the drone out to get these shots of the drone or, you know, film this or take pictures of this. That's always, cause I mean, you're just a one man, you know, team. Yeah. So you're, you have to, you know, switch back and forth from, you know, three different things, trying to get everything you need, especially yeah. when you're doing a project for someone. So, oh, exactly. Cause I mean, yeah, there's like, I was looking at your, uh, truck and boat photo with your drone and that was a really oh, yeah. shot. Yeah. That was the, that was with Josh Jones. I don't know if any, if you know who that is, but he's yeah. a, yeah. So he, uh, we, I went down to South Texas with him. What would that have been? Oh, I want to say that would be right towards the end of the summer. I want to say, and uh, went down there, and we it was actually a little slow compared to how he's normally just absolutely tearing them down. But uh, yeah. we ended up catching one nice fish. Uh, we only went down there for a couple of days, and you know, got some good media and everything, so it yeah. worked out really well. Yeah, and for like for all your editing, are you using Lightroom? Yeah, for photo wise, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what would you say, like, what does your editing process look like for all your photos? My editing process is, is, so, first thing, like, personally that I would do is say, I mean, obviously, each photo is totally different than the other, but uh, I'm I'm, I'm big on, uh, you know, keeping my photos straight, you know, say with the, you know, the landscaping that might be in the photo or something. Yeah. I'm like anal about that. So like, obviously first thing I, you know, straighten the photo out, make sure everything's leveled out yeah. needs to be. And, uh, then I'd get into editing, you know, rather if it's a, if I'm going for more of a darky moody feel to it, you know, I'm going to be rolling kind of like that. Or if I'm going for more of like a cinematic feel, you know, I'm going to be doing that. I'll go through and do kind of the, kind of the, you know, basic stuff to get it on board with that and then go in and fine tune it to, you know, how, how I want it to look. Yeah. Yeah. What do you prefer most of the time? Like, are you feeling like a darky feel cinematic? Like what's your so, kind of vibe so that look, you're trying to portray? The look, the look that I kind of go for in my personal, you know, editing stuff, uh, I, just go, I would call it kind of like a cinematic moody kind of a yeah. cross between that. Uh, that's kind of what I go for. Uh, kind of like I, I just really enjoy that look. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what I go through. Kind of a cinematic, moody type, you know, feel to it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's definitely uh, just a really cool vibe. Right. Just to add some add some flavor it. to the photo. Yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely think it. Uh, I don't know. I just, I think it's a, I think it's a really clean 
look and setting for a photo. Like, you know, everybody has their own, uh, their own styles that they do things. You know, you have people that, you know, are more contrasty and bring out, you know, more colors, vibrant or bring out, you know, individual colors, you know, a lot more than others. And, you know, especially, you know, since I started, hell, I've gone through, I've probably gone through, you know, four or five different styles, just trying to find, you know, exactly the style that I really want out of my photos. And that's, that's what I've found that I really like, you know, in the overall setting with what I do yeah. is just kind of that moody cinematic feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I really get that vibe of like that crane photo you took in the A-frame line. Oh yeah. Okay. Like yeah, let me look at that. Right yeah. I was getting a big vibe from that one. Okay. Yep. And I, I really like that style. It just kind of, I don't know, it kind of tells like a story and it just, like you feel, I don't know, it just feels like you're there. You know what I mean? Right, right. I totally get what, what you're saying. And, you know, like, you know, with that style that I try to, you know, bring out in my photos, it's, you know, it's not, it may not be as like crisp. Like, it's a weird way to put it. Like, I almost, it's almost kind of like a more like milky, smoother, yeah. you know, type feel to it. Uh, I don't know. That's just, that's how I kind of portray it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. But dude, I want to hear more about um, what it's like down at Falco, being a guide at Falco. Man, it's a, it's a great place to work. That's for sure. I mean, yeah. you know, your my bosses are fantastic, you know, really good guys. I mean, and the team we have, you know, it's it's been the same from the get go, you know, yeah. and uh, it's uh, it's a good group of solid people. I mean, yeah. we, you know, we work side by side, you know, every single day, you know, yeah. same crew. And honestly, it's hard to say that because a lot of outfitters, you know, they run through people, you yeah. know, like hotcakes. Yeah. And uh, to you know to get a a crew and to have you know great bosses and everything that all work together. I mean, we're just you know one big family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to be able to, to be able to work, you know, that many days together, I mean, we, we all live together, you yeah. know, <laughs> grinding on the bad days, the good days, you know, like, obviously, you know, there'll be some shit talking and so, oh, yeah. you know, bickering back and forth every once in a while, but you know, it's, I mean, honestly, I don't even know how I would like make a more solid crew than what we have. I mean, it's, it's really fantastic. Yeah. And that just portrays on falco itself of being able to hold your same guides year after year instead of right. cycling through like right i mean that that's that's the way i look at it is if you can really hold that just shows leadership and all that kind of stuff and shows a real team right absolutely I, and you know it it obviously takes you know a certain type of person to do you know that type of job and yeah. uh and you know be that in depth with it and that dedicated to it uh yeah. and you know it you know like not necessarily even certain outfitters that may go through pool it might not because you know of the higher ups or anything like that it might yeah. just because you know you can't find the right people you yeah. know that's because it does i mean it takes a super specific person to be able to you know do that yeah and because you're basically putting your life on you know hold for almost six months yeah to you know, guide waterfowl hunts every day. Yeah. Oh, so, exactly. I mean, some you people, know, a lot of people, yeah. yes. I mean, it's, it's as simple as, you know, some people can't, 
deal with that because their girlfriend gets mad or because you know uh i i mean anything you know what i mean you just i don't know you just have to have someone that is just fully dedicated to you know grinding like that and being you know that hardcore about it yeah and it's also something else you know you have to you have to want to be able to guide. You have to love guiding in itself, yeah. not just hunting, you know, yeah. cause I, I have people all the time. They're like, Oh, you know, you're so lucky. You know, you get to hunt every day. Like I wish I had that job. I'll be like, well, if you like buddy hunting, yeah. you probably don't want to be a guide <laughs> because you ain't going to be able to do that very much. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you like, yeah, you have to, you have to love the hunting aspect and all that, but you also have to love being a guide in its own as well. Yeah. Oh, you know, that's, that's something super, that's super important. Cause I hear, you know, guide horse stories all the time, you know, and that's, that's a prime example about, you know, guides that like, they love to hunt, you know, they love to do that type of thing, but are they good at guiding? Are they good at being a host basically, you know, yeah. oh, okay. and uh, being able to deal with being able to deal with, you know, every type of person you can think of. Cause one day you might have some 80 year old guys that can't hardly even move, you know, yeah that are you know that type of way and then the next day you could have a group of 20 year old dudes that are just ready to party want to kill shit you know oh yeah you know all sorts of stuff so i mean it you got to be able to deal with all sorts of people on top of all that so yeah it just you know takes a takes someone that can handle that really yeah Yeah. oh i hear you on that dude because yeah i mean even even for our outfit this year because this was our like first official big year of running an outfit here mm-hmm. and i mean we had like five guys on the team four guys on the team and we had two guys that had to quit like i mean a month in or whatever just because yeah. they just wasn't for them like they just couldn't handle it right like exactly they I, wanted you know, they wanted that, a buddy hunt even... and like that's all it's all great but they just didn't want a guy right and that that's a whole you know, another deal is like even just being able to handle, you know, being up at four o'clock every single day of season. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you're not getting to bed until, you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night, depending on what's going on. Oh, exactly. Because not only, not only are you scouting, are you setting yeah. up, are you guiding, are you picking up, like, you know, especially having a lodge situation, you know, you got to entertain clients, you got to hang out yeah. with them, you got to, you know, make that connection with them as well on top of everything. So, yeah. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a 24 hour job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. Cause there's always something, I mean, there's big thing that I learned is there's always something that's going to fucking happen where it's just unexpected. Like great example for us went out to hunt one morning, tire flew off the trailer, fucking <laughs> had to throw everything in the back of the trucks, went out and hunted, came back, fixed, wanted to take a nap that day, but I had to fix the tire all day. Yeah, to go back out of the scout and then just do it all over again. It's like, yep. There's always there's always something that's gonna break. Always something, especially guiding. You know. Oh my god! Yeah. Using using the gear hard. I mean, something at some point is gonna break. Something always. I mean, whether it's like you said, a tire or a your can am. You know, jacks up one day or. I mean, anything, I mean, it could be as simple as like going out one day and like when it's really dry in Oklahoma, like this year, for instance, like some of the fields are soft. Some of the fields are like concrete just yeah. because how dry it is. 
you don't know what field's going to be like what so <laughs> you might get to a field and oh get the drills out no it's not yeah. cold it's because it's so damn dry you yeah. know or you might get to a field and it's like oh hell yeah this is soft <laughs> enough we can roll with this you know those are like oh thank god so I mean, you know when you got a drill stakes in because it's so hard i mean you oh. better add some time onto that you know just something as simple as that yeah so. well i mean there's so many different variables like fucking like second weekend of our season our my uh four-wheeler um the drive the drive belt just snapped right like right as we were setting up and it was just like that's lit yeah oh yeah <laughs> I feel yeah. like, I mean, usually buddy hunting, I feel like nothing ever goes wrong. And then once you start guiding, it's like <laughs> shit just starts to break. Yeah, that's no joke. There, there's a story from uh, last snow goose season that was a prime example that uh, there was this field, you know, it was, it was probably half a mile off the road and we couldn't actually like get to it until we got permission yeah. because it was through turn rows and all sorts of stuff. And anyway, we got permission on it that night. And uh, we asked them, we're like, hey, you know, is that, is, you know, Arkansas, it's muddy, whatever. But sometimes you get a sandier soil field where, you know, it's not necessarily just buckshot mud like a yeah. lot of it is down here. <laughs> and uh, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, you can drive in it. It's hard enough, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, okay, awesome. You know, yeah. so we're whipping out there on the side by side. And uh, we're like, okay, let's, you know, let's pull in right here. And uh, we turn and, well, wouldn't you know it, it wasn't hard. <laughs> and uh you know sunk the can-am to the damn frame and uh that thing wasn't getting out of there and so we're like oh my god like time crunch so we're like hauling decoys on our back you know carrying them another you know 400 yards where we needed to and we're like chimney christmas so that just you know add time onto that hunt and then deal with the can-am after the hunt get it unstuck oh, yeah. and do all that you know so but uh you know, that's a, that's a perfect example of what you're talking about. You know, thing, just random things happening. You don't know, you don't oh, know yeah. when it's going to happen, what's going to happen, but it something's happens. always going to happen normally. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Something, something's bound to break. Yep. Yeah. No, I hear you on that dude. And like for Oklahoma hunting, you were talking about like the drills, like what other kind of stuff do you guys have to deal with down there? I guess it, Man, it, it, it varies so hard in Oklahoma. I mean, if you if it's a dry year, obviously, like an extreme dry year like it was this year. Yeah. You might have fields that are like concrete. So yeah. like just like up north, whenever you know, for you know, the fields freeze, yeah. you're gonna have to drill holes for your decoy. So you're doing that. Or if it's you know, if it's a wet year, I mean it, you're straight up mud bogging through everything. I mean, yeah. it's like a damn swamp everywhere. I mean if you get a bunch of rain, you know, it's a wet winter and not necessarily snow, just rain. I mean, there's going to be sheet water everywhere. There's going to be fields that half the fields underwater, you know? Yeah. And so then that's a variable that comes into it. And then the cold weather we get, then we're, yeah. you're going to run into days where it's single digits, you know, wind chills, negatives, all that, you know, and then you're going to have to deal with frozen situation. Is your field hard then? Then you got to drill then. Or if you're hunting water, you know, got to do that whole thing ice eaters you know the whole nine yards yeah. so i mean it just and with how oklahoma weather is i mean one day it's going to be 50 degrees yeah. you know a 20 mile an hour south wind but then the next day it's going to be five degrees with a 20 mile an hour north wind and so it just varies from day to day so hard in oklahoma just because you know the type of weather we get yeah yeah just so vast down there 
Oh yeah. I mean, cause I mean, sheet water is awesome to hunt, you know, dry fields are awesome to hunt. You can hunt little creeks, rivers, when yeah. everything freezes up, you know, they can be hot, you know, hunting, you know, little ponds that they might be using as a transition pond to dry feed. I mean, there's, there's so many, you know, different styles of hunting you can do. It just, it just varies so much on, you know, how that next day is going to be planned out. Yeah. 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 The biggest thing like we deal with is if it snows and then melts and then mm-hmm. that's just a pain. Dude, yep. I don't know what it is with Minnesota farmers, but it's like once like the corn's cut, they have to start tilling. Like <laughs> it's, it's literally like they have the combine running and then the tiller's right behind it. So they're just right. tearing everything up. Like you go to South Dakota and there nothing's tilled up out there. And <laughs> and then you come here and it's like every field's black. And yeah. when you get I mean you get any rain or like any snow that melts, you can't drive in the field. Your your four wheeler, yeah, like whatever, sick. it'll just it'll just sink. Yeah. And so that's like the biggest thing we deal with is just like, right. And that's something, that's something that I like about Oklahoma is because, you know, no matter what it is, whether it's beans, Milo, corn, whatever the, you know, whatever grain they're planting, they're always just going to no-till wheat into it behind yeah. it. And so, you know, all of the season, it just has no-till wheat back into it. You know, you're not going to have them in their disc in the field or anything yeah. you know, during season or before season, you know, and then the wheat comes up, they cut the wheat in the summertime and then, plant the grain again so oh yeah yeah I mean, but, but i mean i'll tell you what that, that red clay dirt <laughs> ugh, it's nothing to play around i mean some it you know you learn what roads not to drive down whenever it rains yeah because you're probably not making it out oh i believe it yeah it's because yeah we don't run into anything like that on like you can't drive down any certain roads because i mean all of ours are pretty solid but just the fields get so bad Especially yeah. if they, they, even if it doesn't rain or snow, if they throw manure mm-hmm. in it and it's tilled, oh. yeah. If they spread manure in it, then it gets bad too. <laughs> I could imagine. <laughs> yeah. If they spray manure like the day before or whatever and you don't realize it and then you get out there and you're like, oh yeah, you're definitely going to, definitely going to sink down in that a little bit. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but dude, it just is what it is. You gotta, gotta get used to it, I guess. Thank God we yeah. only, I mean, we had a really dry year this year too. Like right. really dry. So we never had, uh, we never had to walk anything in this year. Thank God. But it's always nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Always nice. But at the same time, like we couldn't hunt anything flooded either. Cause I mean, we'll usually get like flooded corn and stuff depending mm-hmm. on like how much rain we get in the summer and that's always a blast but oh yeah absolutely i mean it's the same concept you know just some sheet water grain milo or corn or beans you know in oklahoma yeah. i mean it'll just be you know a little half acre plot of sheet water but you know they'll just be absolutely drilling it oh so yeah. we didn't obviously didn't get any sheet water hunts this year with how dry it was but it was definitely i mean it uh, you know, it was a, uh, it was a slower year overall, just uh, because of temperatures, not necessarily because it was dry, but yeah. I mean, even in December, I mean, we we're having days that were 70 degrees in December. So, oh wow, 
yeah so i mean you know we definitely had some birds get stale on us big time this year just because i mean you know say you get a bunch of geese in well then that next week is going to be 50s to 70s you know they're going to stick around but you ain't going to get any new ones and those aren't going to move on past either so yeah you know they're going to get hunted pretty hard and get stale pretty quick so that was the issue we ran into this year a lot even with the ducks too i mean because you know with weather that hot there's no reason a bird needs to migrate you know so you're not going to be gaining any birds on top of those birds whatsoever yeah Yeah. i mean we had a pretty stale year too up in minnesota i mean dude we didn't get we didn't get a good push of our ducks until like after the season ended like that's nuts i it it always seems that's happened in oklahoma too like even on good years like there are going to be like, I mean, a massive duck push in February yeah. <laughs> right at the beginning of it always happens. Oh yeah. I mean, we were like, it just never, it got, it never got cold enough for us. Like we had, right. I mean, we had 70 degree days in November, which is like mm-hmm. not ideal. And then we weren't seeing like big pushes of mallards until like, second week of december yeah well you know that's a prime example you know even up there in your area but you know think about the dakotas and nebraska you know if they're even 30 degrees those yeah. birds ain't leaving there there's yeah. no reason for them to leave so you know that that was definitely a big effect on us this year overall yeah, yeah. and i mean our ducks season... don't give me... go ahead do what i was gonna say don't get me wrong like we definitely had some you know, absolute awesome days and, yeah. uh, you know, overall, but, uh, there were definitely it's lows. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Just because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, our duck season, dude, our duck season ends this year. It ended the last week in November and we didn't get a, oh, really? big, and we didn't get a big duck push until the second week of December. So like, Damn, that, that just, that just shows how long they were staying up in Canada for. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was talking to a bunch of guys that never really shot ducks in Canada because they never pushed down in certain areas. Really? Yeah. That's nuts. Just all depends on how cold it gets up here. Because we didn't get a we yeah, didn't get I mean, a cold snap I mean, at all. In all reality, that's the you know the prime factor on migrating birds is they're literally getting froze out. You know, it, it's getting too cold. You know, they have no water except for, you know, some creeks or some rivers. And then, you know, snowfall is a big factor, too, because it's going to cover up their food. Like, yeah, you know, a little bit of snow, that's not going to matter. But, you know, once you hit that 8, 10-inch mark, you know, yeah. plus their water's freezing up, you know, they can't get to food, they're going to roll. Yeah. So, and that's okay. a big factor. And with, you know, that not happening during, you know, the regular run of duck season, you're not going to get a good migration at all. Yeah. Is what? How long does your guys' season go for down there? So we start in November, and then we have a week split the first of December, and then it goes until the last day in January. Okay, so that's that's a that's a pretty good that's a pretty good push. Oh yeah, yeah, it's definitely a it's a it's a long season, and yeah. uh, you know you can I mean really you can start killing you know cranes basically the middle of October. Yeah. So if you wanted to, you know, you could you can start killing cranes in the middle of October, then you know, run through the split because you can kill cranes during the split, and then you know, run 
whatever you want till to the end of January. And then our regular new season goes until February 14th normally. So you can still kill less. You can still kill lesters and stuff, you know, all the way almost to mid February. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Cause I mean, our duck season starts the last weekend of September and runs till the last weekend of November. And so that's, that's pretty short season, really. Yeah. But like our goose, our goose starts first weekend of September for early goose (laughs) and then goes, goes, and then we hit our regular season when duck starts and then goose goes till January, like the first of January. Well, you still get another month out of goose then. Yeah. But I mean, it sucks because like the amount of ducks we have at that point. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, the problem with, like, up here is, because our our original season, we could hunt till the first week of December because we had Mm -hmm. a two-week split instead of a five-week, or instead of a five-day split. Right. Like we had this year. But now that that changed, it's like, dude, all the ducks are, ducks are everywhere after after our season ends everywhere and because they did like a big survey the dnr did about like hunting layout boats mojos during the first split um like hunting after 4 p.m stuff like that and then another one was like short the season and i was like why like but the thing is with people up here it's like everybody wants a warm weather hunt so everyone wants to go shoot brown ducks because they don't know any better because by the time November starts, deer hunting starts. So most everybody's out there doing that and everyone quits waterfowl hunting. Right. I could see that. And if I'm honest, dude, probably probably like 60% of Minnesota has never hunted in a field. Like they really? all hunt, they all hunt water. That's the big thing. Hmm. It's like hunting hunting big lakes or whatever it is, right. everybody's hunting water. And so they want to get out and shoot brown ducks on the water. But then once everything freezes up, like they're just, they're done hunting because they don't know any better and right. they've never hunted fields. So it's like, well, I don't like our season should be shorter earlier when the water's open instead of later when it's frozen up. Mm-hmm. Like on like the big lakes, because the amount of comment, like you'll see on, like the Facebook pages and whatever, it's like all the ducks are gone or everything's frozen up. The ducks are going to be gone in a week. And nobody understands like there's warm water ponds, there's creeks, there's the rivers, there's right. all that kind of stuff that are still holding so many birds. Yep. And so that's the, that's the problem we run into. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. But it is what it is. What are you going to do? Oh yeah. Like it's just a pain. But dude, yeah. Um I so you were saying you're a big turkey hunter though? You like the turkey? Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So is I, it, uh, is Texas a four York state? Yeah, uh, it's a five. Really? Yeah, you can they have a lot of turkeys. <laughs> Jeez. But you know what's weird? I've always thought this is crazy is that Texas literally has probably out of all the states, 
probably the least amount of public land access. Yeah. You know, at all. So thank God I have a couple of buddies that have places down there that we can yeah. go hunt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so that's what we do. We'll hunt uh, the South Texas and North Texas zones yeah. uh, during this turkey season. And then after that, we'll jump up to Oklahoma and yeah. uh, I'll run the guided hunts that I run here. I just run for a couple of weeks here. Okay. And uh, then we were off to the going farther north. So. Are you going to be doing some like filming and stuff like that for turkey hunts? Oh yeah, absolutely. Probably. Personally, I'll probably be doing more photos and film than killing okay. on uh, on all of these trips. I mean, I I will kill. Uh, you know, at least probably. Well, I should say try to kill on yeah. uh, any place we go, but predominantly, especially when uh, my buddy will be chasing a turkey or something, I'll absolutely be on the camera doing yeah. film or photos one or, one or the other. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be really badass. Yeah, so hopefully get some, you know, awesome, awesome footage and some really nice pictures. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hear you on that. And so what are you like? What is this kind of stuff that you do off season? Like, are you doing mostly concerts and stuff like that with your camera work? Yeah, honestly, it is totally different every year. Uh, this last year, I had some stuff. Uh, this uh, it was a horse trainer and uh she trained these wild mustangs and uh wow i went to i went to utah idaho wyoming and montana and uh, we were breaking these wild mustangs in these mountain lakes up around the grand tetons and stuff and that was sick like oh it was i mean it was like a little adventure like we'd take we'd go in horseback take like we'd have these wild mustangs just you know, roped onto these horses and we'd drag them up there to the, wherever we were going, whatever little lakes in the mountains we were going. And you take them and you swim them because that's the, it breaks them a lot easier. Cause once you get in the water with them, they like make a connection with you. And it was, it was really neat. I will say that. And, uh, and then last year I had a gig I did down in the Florida Keys for fly fishing for tarpon, which that was really nice. That was, wow. that was a really good time. And, uh, went to Rhode Island. Uh, went to Arkansas and then Texas and Louisiana for a couple little small deals. But I mean, it just ranges from anything from, you know, concerts or like I was saying, like horse stuff or, you know, a fishing deal or, you know, product shoots or, yeah. I mean, even, you know, a couple of weddings thrown in there or, you know, like some senior pictures or, you know, yeah. just, just, I mean, it, it varies so much year to year, yeah. just total you know, off the wall, random stuff for the yeah. most part. I mean, I'll go, I'll do a few things. I'm sure, you know, old Bart, Southern yeah. East. he's a, he's a super long time friend of mine and I'll do a couple events for him, you know, here and there. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, like I said, it's just totally random. Who knows whoever, yeah. whatever they want. I'll do yeah. it. <laughs> whatever <laughs> pops know? up on the schedule. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, kind of what you got to do especially on the off season you know it's, oh, exactly. it's not necessarily hunting and you know i've done uh, i've actually done a few deals down in texas on some high fence ranches uh, for exotics and stuff like that uh that's really probably about the only hunting that's going to be going on you know that time of year <laughs> yeah oh exactly what's that like down there on those exotic ranches it's neat and you know it's it varies from you know, ranch to ranch. Like I've been to some where like, yeah, it's a high fence ranch, but it's like 
20,000 acres of just yeah. one fence going around it. Yeah. And let me tell you what, those animals, like, it's not like what you think. Like, yeah. those things are wild. Like, they see a vehicle or a person and they're gone. Like, yeah. you know, and then obviously there's those places where it's a very small area, you know, yeah. like, even say, you know, 30 acres, 20 yeah. acres. I mean, that's that's where you're going to get like that. You know, everybody talks about, you know, oh, you can go up and feed them, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's like that at those. But when you get these when you get these high fence places that are just, I mean, thousands and thousands of acres and those animals, they, I mean, there was this one story that uh, one of the guides that I was with, uh, he was saying they let out, Oh, what was it? I think it was the axis deer. And uh, they didn't see it for three years. Oh, never wow. got a picture of it, never saw it. And then after three years, it just popped up randomly and they started seeing it. So, I mean, that's a prime example of like, some of these high fence places that are, you know, really large. It's not like, you know, you're just going and shooting fish in a barrel, you know? Oh, so. exactly. Yeah. I mean, even like, yeah, that that's wild. Cause you could go, yeah, so, you could go on a 20,000 acre ranch and never see the entire ranch your entire life. Exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah. So I definitely see where you're coming from. Because I feel like that's all I hear about is like, oh, you can go feed them and stuff like that. But in reality, it's not. It's not like right. Well, well, you know, and, and it's even the funnier thing is about turkeys. Like, obviously, I would say ninety nine percent of anywhere private land you hunt in Texas. I mean, it's gonna have a fence on it. That's just, yeah. you know, that's how that works. And then people be like, oh, you shoot those turkeys on a high fence. It's like turkeys can fly. <laughs> like they, they can fly over that fence, you know, like they're not trapped in here. And uh, it's a perfect example of this one place we hunt North Texas. It is a fenced in area. I mean, it's one of those places that's thousands and thousands of acres, but they roost on the other side of the fence. Like yeah. they don't even roost in the property. <laughs> like, you know, it's like they can fly over that fence. You know, yeah. it's not like you can't have high fence turkeys. And I guess, I mean, if you clip their wings and they weren't wild, you yeah. know, like if they were pin like, okay, I could see that. but. You know they can fly. You know yeah. they, can, they can. It's not like a deer or something in a high fence. You know. Yeah. So I always think that's a, you know, funny deal. People always, you know, kind of talk down about on the whole turkey side of it. But in all reality, it's like half the place you go in Texas. Like, where are you going to hunt that doesn't have a fence? Really? Like for oh, the yeah. most part. Yeah. You know, especially you know west of you know Dallas area, that North Texas, West Texas, South Texas, you know, kind of feel like. You know, most places that you're going to be turkey on, they got a fence. I mean, just yeah. straight up on it, you know. Yeah. yeah. So. It's not like everybody's going putting nets to cover up the fences so the turkeys can't. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're not covering the whole property with a yeah. net. Like, I mean, they can they can fly to your neighbor's place yeah. just as easy as they can fly right over that fence to you. So. Oh, exactly. It just all depends on where they want to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that'd be... That'd be pretty cool to go hunt down on one of those ranches. I feel like that'd be, yeah, be a it, it neat is. environment. And, and something that's something that's neat when you get down to like really far extreme South Texas, like close to the Mexico border, is like you're not gonna find turkeys roosting in trees. Yeah. Because all it is is scrub, it's all it is a scrub brush. They roost on the power lines and the power poles. Huh. Like it's insane. I mean, like the first time I went down there, I was like where are these turkeys going to roost? And yeah. the guy that has the ranch, he's like, oh, they're on the power poles. And I was like, 
you're kidding me. They're legitimately going to be reselling these power poles. Like, yeah. And so there's this area where these two big, big power lines come together. And uh, you just go to go to the corner where they come together and you look down the power lines and you're like, oh, the fourth pole down, there's 50 turkeys roosted on that one. And oh, the 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 sixth one down on this side, there's more roosted down there. Like, it, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. And I actually, uh, I have some videos on my laptop of it. Uh, I mean, they get they get zapped just like any other bird. Oh, yeah. Two of the places they were roosting, there were two big toms on top of the damn power pole, just smoke, just laying there dead. crazy this this is nuts yeah dude that's like that's just like the cool shit you see while traveling just like so many many different things that can just play play a factor that you would never think yeah and that's something that's so you know fun like even just turkey season traveling around or any type of even fishing hunting like i mean you're not going to see all this crazy stuff unless you go do it like yeah you know what i mean like who knows what you're going to see yeah you know when you when you leave your you know little area that you're normally in and you start just traveling around and doing all sorts of stuff you're just going to see all sorts of crazy stuff you'll be like what (laughs) oh yeah i mean even like we were in south dakota and there was like power line and like we were driving past and there was like 10 dead snow geese on when we were hunting in the spring And it was just like yep. they must have just flown straight through it and just all got zapped. Yep. I, I saw that two years ago in Arkansas. There was a there was a power line going right through this middle of the field and they were all feeding and the eagle swooped down and spooked them all. Yeah. And they all got up and I'm telling you, it smoked about 20 of them. They just flew right into it. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And it was funny because we were hunting that field the next day because that evening they came back there and fed. Anyway, we got done with the hunt that next day, and I was like, well, I'm going to go pick up 10 more real quick. And <laughs> the other guy that was with me, Tanner, uh, he was like, what are you talking about? I'll be like, well, I'll show you. And I walked over there, and <laughs> all 10 of them dead ones that got smoked. Uh, it was funny. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, yeah, dude, I, I saw we were scouting the field, and yeah, same thing happened with mallards. And then all of a sudden you just see like we just saw like a blast and then walked over to it and there was just a hen just walking around like just totally fucking lost yeah and yep. it was like yeah because i mean you get in such big watts and then you jump up everyone's trying to get out of the way and then all of a sudden somebody's gonna get zapped oh yeah oh yeah especially when like if they get jumped because they're scared or something yeah. you know they're just trying to get out of there as quick as they can and well you know sometimes they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna hit something like that oh yeah but how does the oh go ahead this i was gonna say this kind of off off, like topic kind of but uh you know a lot of people you know is are super hard on the whole windmill thing yeah you know you know i think it's i mean personally i think they're disgusting they're i mean they just rip oil everywhere like if you ever get up like around there's just oil sprayed all over them but like for the you know the people that say they like change migration and birds won't like you know go by yeah. them or anything, dude. I can't tell you how many goose feeds I hunt a hundred yards from those <laughs> things. I mean, and, and this is the this is one reason why like I am totally against people saying like it changes the migration. Yeah. One because they've been around for roughly what fifteen years, roughly. Yeah. You know, you know. Yeah. 
okay, half of your waterfowl aren't even that old. Yeah. So these birds, they grow up knowing nothing different. Yeah. So they're following migration paths and they don't know any different. They see them from the time they get in the U.S. all the way to South Texas if they're going that far. Yeah. They see them in every state. So, oh, yeah. I mean, in, in my opinion in that, it's like, why, why would they like totally go away from these things when like they're around in the whole entire migration? You know, especially birds like I could see it back when they first put them in whenever you had birds that, you know, migrated for years and years and years before yeah. they were there. But now since you have, you know, waterfowl that have been around them since the very first migration they did, you know, that yeah. they they don't know any different. Oh, exactly. You know? so. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, you look at, yeah, like you say, 15 years or whatever. I mean, you're going to have a couple birds that didn't grow up yeah. with that maybe some snows that didn't grow up with that but other than that dude like you're yeah the majority all seen, the majority yeah. of your birds exactly yeah so. like, yeah huh. i've never i've never really heard about that honestly yeah well i is that like a big thing honestly, down in Oklahoma? is what people say well normally honestly i hear it from guys up around Mount city oh really hunting snows yeah yeah and uh, i mean you know you know, it might be different for them, whatever. But like, I know all the whiteys that come to Oklahoma, all the lessers, all the ducks. Yeah, I've hunted every single one of them within a hundred yards of those damn windmills. So, oh, yeah. you know, one of those things. Yeah, just something they get used to. Mm-hmm. Just like anything else. But yeah, dude. Absolutely. I, I was gonna say, how does the rest of the snow goose season look down in Arkansas? It looks good. I mean, I don't. Uh, I don't see any reason why it would getting worse. We uh, have a really nice feed lined up for tomorrow. Actually, uh, yeah. it's a it's a pretty boss hog. Yeah, and uh, if they if they want to play right, it it probably should be another really nice day. But obviously, you know they're wild birds, and yeah, you, you know you don't know. I mean, you kind of do, but you don't know if it's you know predominantly juvies, predominantly yeah. adults. I mean, you can get a rough idea from the ones you can see, you know, close to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, from what it looks like, it looks like a absolute ton of juvies, which yeah. that's what you want. But, yeah. you know, sometimes, sometimes they feel jump on you. Can't yeah. do anything about that. I mean, oh, snow yeah. geese are snow geese. You know, they, they, they are the most unpredictable goose, I would say, out of any of them. Because oh, one yeah. day they might be, they might be feeding in this field and the next day they're feeding them two miles away. And then the next day they're a mile north of there. And then the next day they're back in that field they've been in. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, uh, so far this year, they've been they've been playing nice. So yeah, especially in the spring. Oh yeah, and just so unpredictable. Absolutely, I would agree with that. Yeah. And you know, it's I think it's crazy about snow geese. You know, unlike lessers or ducks and stuff like that. Like, I mean, one day you might just have one feed, and you're like, man, where are they? Like, we have one feed. Like, I haven't even seen another bird. And then the next day you're like, dude, we got 10 feeds. They're all fat. Like, yeah. where did they come from? Right? You know, and, and it'll be on like a random day where like there wouldn't be any, like any migration or nothing, yeah. you know, not like some substantial migrating day. And you're just like, where did all these just all of a sudden appear from? And then you'll have all these birds for like two or three days and then they're gone. And you're like, oh my God, we only have one feed again, you know, yeah. and then bam, here they are again. <laughs> it's like, it's like you guys move around too much 
<laughs> oh yeah, dude. And like, what's a big feed for you guys down in Arkansas? Man, I would say it varies on year to year, like what you would call like a Mondo feed. But yeah. I mean, a big feed, you know, that's actually a funny subject. So like some of the guys we work with down here that live down here, they talk about geese on an acre standpoint. So they'll be like, oh, there's a hundred acres of geese in there. And I'll be like, uh, so how many is that? Like, yeah. what, what are you calling a hundred? Because over in Oklahoma, we'd be like, oh, you know, this lesser feed, it's like 8,000 birds, 10,000 birds, you know, it's fat. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you come over here like, okay, what would that be? Like, are we talking like fifty thousand? Are we talking like a hundred thousand? What are we talking about? Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, I'd say I'd say your average, like your big big feeds. I mean, they're going to be like hundred thousand birds. Yeah. I mean, like your your big big feeds, but uh, you know, that's the thing, especially getting later in the season, you're going to have these, you know, like juvie pockets around, yeah. and it might only be you know three or four thousand birds, but if they're all juvies you're going to absolutely beat them down. Oh yeah. You know, but yeah. that, that's what I would say. Big, like a, a big feed would be, would be like, you know, 80 to a hundred thousand birds yeah. for snow geese down here. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's what I love doing is j- chasing the juvie pockets. Like when they go oh, up yeah. in South Dakota and you, I mean, you only find like a couple thousand of them, but yep. they just, they eat it up. Oh yeah. I mean, you nine times out of ten, you're gonna have a better day hunting two or three thousand dudes than you are a hundred thousand bird, you know, yeah. feed that's ninety-five percent adults, you know. Yeah. That's just that's just how they are. I mean, I know, I mean, this was like, I don't know, five years ago or so, but the average age of an adult snow goose is twelve. Yeah. So I mean, if you're hunting, you know, at the time, like say, especially, you know, guys hunting permanent spreads hunting migrators, you know, and mound and South Dakota, like your leading line birds, you know, they're all going to be adults. I yeah. mean, shit, your average, they just, they've been up and down the flyway 24 times. Yeah. The average adult, I mean, you're hunting some wise birds there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, exactly. So, they've seen everything. Yep. I mean, hell, last year, uh, we killed a, we killed a banded Rossi, and the only band left on its leg was the $100 reward band. The other band already fell off. Because it was originally double banded and uh it was 18. Damn. Like yeah, that's an old bird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is a that is an ancient bird. Oh yeah. We I was out in South Dakota when they uh our group we were out scouting, but um Shane was guiding and he had like I don't know, like 10 guys or whatever. And I guess a solo. Solo came in on his side. Everyone's like, yeah, Shane, shoot it. And shoots it. And then there's something wrong with its neck. He runs up. It's a yellow neck collar on a Ross. And it was, yeah, it was like 18 years old. And he was like, dude, it came in just by itself. And it just must have been just ready to die. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's nuts. That's nuts. (laughs) You know, I, I haven't even seen a neck collar in years. Like, in snow like just looking at feeds or anything i yeah. think the last one i probably saw it was probably like six years ago yeah the last one i actually like saw with my eyes like i've actually seen a couple guys this year kill a couple net collars like yeah. just on you know facebook and stuff and i was like yeah. damn what i would do to kill have a net collar flying spread <laughs> i would freak <laughs> out i mean i'd be losing it <laughs> i would be losing it if i went to get a bird and it had a net collar on it i would be losing i would be going oh crazy. yeah 
Yeah, dude, we were freaking the fuck out. He's like, dude, get over here and check. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is wild. Because, I mean, the yellow ones, oh, they, yeah. the yellow ones are rare, is what yeah. we kind of found out is they're pretty rare nowadays. Yeah. And so it was like, fucking 18 year old neck collar is just yeah, out of this nuts. world. That is nuts. Like, that is, yeah, because I think, I think the, the ones they do, like recently as recent as they have are white i believe yeah yeah i think so yeah but god dude yeah have you ever killed a neck collar mm-hmm. yeah nope. i've i've seen i have had a buddy that was in a different spread the same day that killed one and so i like you know yeah. i had it in my hands at one point yeah uh but other than that i i've never killed neck collar and i've not of my knowledge had one ever you know flown and spread or anything like that i feel like they're so much harder to pick out than you realize like oh, if they probably, like probably so i feel like it would just be like because you're not like i mean you're paying attention but you're not like trying mm-hmm. to pick out a neck collar because the likelihood of that happening is just so so oh smooth. well especially you know if you're decoying a whole roost wad yeah you know right after first light like on top of it being, you know, you know, dark outside still, like, I mean, you have five or 6,000 just doing it nasty right in the hole. Like, I don't even think you could comprehend like, Oh, that one right there has net color, you know, yeah. four rows back behind the yeah. first wall of a thousand, <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> like I could see it more like if you're hunting migrators and it's like midday, you know, it's bright out and you have like a three pack come in. Like, yeah, I would feel like you'd be able to see it. Like, you'd be yeah. like, Oh my God, that one I think has that collar. But in a big wad like that, it's like, yeah, I don't think so. No, not. Sure. I know I'd have an issue seeing it. In that oh, big yeah. Wad. yeah. No, no the only yeah. thing, the only thing that I've really been bummed out that I saw coming to spread was it was when I was 19 and uh, we were hunting Lester's in Southwest Oklahoma and we decoyed this it was probably a flock of i don't know it was probably like 800 thousand birds and uh right when the shot was called i looked up and i had my camera so i didn't have my gun or anything i looked up and there was a brant in the kill hole oh my god back and i was like kill the brant kill the brant and what he and that brant flew right out of that spread and i was like you have to be kidding me i mean oh. i was like good god oh yeah that would hurt that's the only yeah that's one of the only like i don't know unique birds that i've like seen that got out uh, yeah we uh that same year uh we killed a uh one of the ross lesser crosses you know they have like a lesser body and then the white head with like the black speckles yeah i, I did kill one of those uh well i guess we had one other bird that got out that i remember this was uh when i was at falco it would have been the second year of falco uh, we had this flock. It was like, it was just a flock of six birds. They were right above us at like 40 yards, which I mean, you could have killed them, but there was a wad of like 150, 200 behind them that were boat up that were doing it just yeah. perfect. And right when those birds flew over us, that little pack, I looked up and there was the most like, I mean, ideal blue phase Ross you ever did see. Mm. And the only reason I know it was, I mean, literally you look up and like those blue face Rosses, like they get a different dark to them. They're like black. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they get dark. And I looked up and I'm telling you, this bird was, I mean, like jet, jet, jet black with just that white <laughs> eagle head on it. And it was, it was, there were like 
I don't know. There were like four other Rosses with it and just a couple of lessers. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, please hook around and do it. And they definitely didn't. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I was like, I should have just called it on that little back and smoked those. I'm like, damn, because I've, I've never shot one of those either. And I've honestly from, I mean, I've never like picked one out of a flock like during snow season or anything yeah. before. And so when I saw it, I was like, Oh my God, I was like, I wish that bird would have done it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would hurt. Yeah. 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 I can't, I mean, for me, I can't think of any cool birds that I've seen that have gotten out of the spread. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I mean, for us, like it's just mainly Canada. So like, we haven't really, I mean, you don't really see anything too crazy. Uh, right. A few, a few years ago, uh, I actually killed a, a Eurasian widgeon, right? Smack dab in the middle of Oklahoma. Jeez. Yeah, we were, it was a weird, it was a weird hunt. We were uh, actually hunting, hunted a, a sheetwater uh, Bermuda field. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was like absolutely loaded. All it was was widgeon, nothing else. Yeah. And so we went out there, we killed a seven man limit of widgeon and then this one random euro that was with them. And uh, I, d- I did see that bird when it was coming in. I didn't know what it was. Like I yeah. didn't know it was a Eurasian, but when they were hooking around, I just thought it had this way darker head on it, but I could see the cotton, t- you know, the white yeah. on its head. And I was like, what is up with that bird? So that was the first bird I pulled up and shot when that flock did it. And when it yeah. came back, I was like, Oh my God, like that is a straight up Eurasian witch. And like, I was like, what, oh. <laughs> like, what in the world is going on? That's definitely probably my number one bucket list bird. I think oh, they're yeah, so like, badass. Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, like, overall ducks like widgeon are my favorite ducks just in general because i mean nine times yeah. up ten you hit them with a little whistle they're they're coming those those birds want to die oh yeah <laughs> you know they're yeah. they're just fun i mean they're they're a fun bird to hunt and uh, so it was it was pretty special whenever well, we were able to kill that bird i was like that's awesome yeah yeah that's pretty sweet because yeah i mean the only like cool bird i think that i know of like that gets that we've seen die recently is my buddy shot a Canada spec hybrid. Oh yeah. Last year. That's cool. That's neat. Yeah. And that was, that was really cool. But other yeah, than that, like, cool. yeah, other than that, it's just nothing, nothing too crazy happening up here for hybrid. Right. Right. Like, Cause I mean, we don't see, I probably saw like 25 snow geese this year and mm-hmm. then probably like, 25 specs that was probably it yeah other than like just straight candidates right and so we don't it's not like a huge opportunity to go shoot them besides ducks like that'd be like i feel like that'd be like the only time that we'd really see a hybrid is through ducks right right for us because yeah like most of the candidates you see are they're all the same <laughs> they all grew up in the same area and mm-hmm they're not breeding with any anything anything too crazy right right like so i don't know but that that would be uh that'd pretty that'd be pretty sweet to have a eurasian widget coming to spread yeah and you can guarantee it i got that thing mounted oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. what position do you get it mounted at honestly i just it's just like standing on a piece of wood like about yeah. the most basic amount you I just wanted it like that so you could like really like see the, you know, how, you know, all the colors were on it and really see, you know, the head and everything about it. 
Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. That's, that's sweet. But yeah, dude, I mean, yeah, I kind of, I think we kind of got to wrap it up here. Um, kind of running short on time now, but, uh, I wanted to say, is there anything else that we didn't cover today that we can still chat about? that I didn't ask you. I don't know, unless you got an idea of something that I don't. <laughs> yeah, dude. I feel like we covered it pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I covered definitely a, a wide variety of all sorts of things. That's for yeah. sure. Absolutely, brother. Well, have a great rest of your uh, snow goose season and hopefully go shoot a bunch of turkeys as well. All righty. Well, I appreciate it. We're going to try. Absolutely, my man. But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll chat with you later and we'll definitely have to try to do another one. This was a blast. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, just holler at me. Yeah. Might need to do a do a mid turkey season one. Oh yeah, I'm all about it. Gotta see how your turkey season's going and kind of what else you got left. So I'd love to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Just let me know anytime. All right, brother. Thanks for jumping on. Yep, absolutely. Thank you. All right, we'll see you later. Yep. Bye.